You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 396 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Zachary Hostins is a senior Rails engineer at Texas. He is a self-taught techie to his core who tries to have his hands in all of the cookie jars. When he's not writing Ruby or experimenting with programming languages, Kubernetes, CI, CD systems, monitoring systems, to name a few, you will find him spending time with his family, doing home renovations, snowboarding, and even sometimes jumping out of airplanes just for fun. Let's just say you will very rarely find him sitting still. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Zachary. Thank you for having me, Brittany. I have to say I'm a little bit nervous here. It's my first podcast, so go easy on me. I definitely will. Maybe. (laughs) Well, let's start with the easy question. Zachary, what is your developer origin story? I would have to say I started when I was 13 or 14. It was the first time I laid my eyes on a computer and then discovered how you make them work. I just dug in more and more from there and it was never ending. Why have you spent so much of your career working in Ruby and Rails? My career in Ruby on Rails, I would say, was actually kind of an accident. At my first job, I would talk to people there and somebody told me Ruby was very similar to Python. And my first reaction was white space. So it actually deterred me from even looking at Ruby for a while until one very bored Sunday, I seen David's original blog in 15 minutes. Just the beauty of the Ruby language and the simplicity of how you can get a lot of stuff done. Just I was hooked from there. You're currently working remotely with Texas and will be indefinitely, but you've been working for remotely for quite some time. How did that happen? The beginning of my career, I moved out to the D.C. area and I worked there and I actually did monitoring in the evenings. So I would spend half of my time at the office and the other half at home because I would be finished working at like midnight. So one of my first positions was working from home part time. I just fell into it from there. I got a little homesick when I was there. So I moved back to Iowa with the full expectation of leaving my position and having to find somewhere else. But they welcomed the idea, at least for some time to have me work remotely. So yeah, my very first position had me working remotely at the end of it. What was your experience during the pandemic when everybody went home and like was scurrying to figure out what working remotely meant? Did you giggle a little bit that you already had it down or did you actually adjust yourself? It was quite a bit of giggling. There was a little bit of adjustment because my wife started working from home also. So there was a little bit of adjustment there trying to figure out where we were both going to have our desk. But yeah, a lot of people, we would be out talking to people or something like that. And they would ask me and my wife what it's like working from home. And it was a little bit of a giggle since I already worked from home. I love that. So you spent eight years working at Wells Fargo as a Rails engineer. What was it like to do banking on Rails? It was interesting. I was shocked to hear that they were using Rails within the bank. And then when I started working there, I discovered they didn't use it a whole lot. It was far and few between. The good majority of it, unsurprisingly, was Java there. And I guess the work we did was more internally facing. So, yeah, I guess there wasn't a whole lot of customer centric stuff there. So were you building like one off applications that were supporting other services? You've mentioned to me before that you had many Rails apps running at once. 
Yeah, my team, we primarily manage access to a lot of things within the bank. So one of the systems we worked on, like all the logging as far as server access would go to one of the systems for managers to audit and approve access to different systems. And the systems we had would interact with a lot of other things in the bank as far as approving people to be able to access stuff and then granting that access. So banks historically, you know, it's kind of like a joke that they run really old code, whether it's like assembly or cobalt. So I have to ask without giving away too many trade secrets, what's the oldest Rails version you were running at Wells Fargo? So in our team, when I first joined, I want to say the version of Rails they were using was fairly old. Looking back, I can't tell you what version it was and what version was the current one back then. But when I joined, I made it a point to keep things updated. I'm not one to sit back and watch the new stuff go by. So you've been through a couple gnarly Rails upgrades is what you're trying to tell me. So you need that badge is what it sounds like. I will very much take that badge. (laughs) (laughs) So you actually came through Texas through Brian, one of our co-hosts on the show at Near Replacement. And when he presented you as a candidate, he actually noted in his free time, he even does a lot of system management, infrastructure, CI, CD, and networking, which we mentioned in your bio. Let's dig into that. Why is this fun for you, Zachary? Like I said, when I first laid my eyes on a computer, I was just hooked. And when I say laid my eyes on, I mean, it was not just programming, it's everything. Got it. So is it because you're maintaining personal projects at home? Like, is that how you're getting the time to be able to try out all these new tools? Or do you typically try to find a way to use new tooling when you're working? I would say a little bit of both. Even back in high school, when my career was a hobby, I would be at home like I was running FreeBSD router firewall as my home internet when I was in high school. So every time I took it down, you would hear somebody yelling at me on why the internet was down. And yeah, like I would, even back in high school, I would manage what they called shell hosting servers where people would pay to have a shell to like run an IRC bouncer or an IRC bot on there. So all the way back in high school, I was already started doing development and system administration work and unknowingly training myself for my career. Yeah, you were so lucky that you knew so early on that this is the thing that you wanted to be doing. It's just incredibly lucky. Yeah. So I just hinted at it, but, you know, you recently joined Texas in September. It it honestly feels that you've been with us for years, but how did you land there? I was at a point where I needed something new. I originally was looking for a new job back at the beginning of the pandemic, which was a week before the pandemic. So I actually had a couple interviews lined up and then they actually fell through. One company, they just halted all hiring and the recruiter even got let go. So I took that as a notice to maybe take a pause on looking for a new job. And then I got to a point where I needed something new. So I had seen Mirror Placement many years ago, but never actually contacted Brian or anything like that. And then It would just keep popping up. So I figured, what the heck, I'll reach out. What's the worst that can happen? And then from there, yeah. How many companies did you end up interviewing with or were you the first one? Textus was the first. I interviewed with three. There was another one I was going to interview with, but they, 
I don't know. They accidentally like said no to the resume at first and Brian talked to them and that I was going to interview with them, but I had already had my mind set up to join text us if they were so gracious to have me. Well, I'll have to send that other company a thank you note. I'm kidding. (laughs) This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Honey Badger. It's that time of the year. Things tend to slow down. You can get organized, you can try out new tooling and start planning the bigger projects for next year. Reflect on 2021. Were you on top of your bugs? Do you feel confident in the health of all of your applications? If you've been considering trying Honey Badger, now is the time. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Honey Badger sends you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Head on over to honeybadger.io to learn more. Thank you to Honey Badger for being such a great supporter this year. And speaking of hiring, I know it is such a repetitive topic that we keep hearing out there. You just went to RubyCon for the first time, which is exciting. And I think you can attest to the fact that just all of these companies are just eagerly trying to find Ruby and Rails developers. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. I'm pretty sure every talk started with, by the way, we're hiring. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to dive into a topic that a lot of companies, recruiters and engineering managers are obsessing over, and it's finding Rails developers. They're out there and you're one of the developers everyone is looking for right now because you're based in Iowa, which is not a big tech area. Mm-hmm. And Ruby is also not big in Pittsburgh where I'm located either. And so how do you find these developers? Because I really feel that all of the Ruby and Rails developers in the big tech studies are probably getting so many recruiter inbox requests and that there has to be so many developers in the Midwest that are just kind of hidden. What do you think? Yeah, that's definitely a hard subject. Even me being here, I've thought about this constantly because like here it's like we don't have meetups and stuff like that. So the good majority of learning or interacting is online. And then like, how do you go about finding people in a career where the good majority of them are naturally introverted? One thing for me, I definitely thought when I finally got to the point of reaching out to Brian was you get all these recruiters hassling you and it's always kind of like oh it's another recruiter they just want to peddle me to some other business and then that's it that was definitely not what I felt from Brian so I guess the hard part is getting those people to try to reach out to recruiters and or like finding a recruiter that they like it's like you have to interview your recruiters almost You definitely do. And it's amazing that if you're working with a good recruiter, they do all the work for you. I don't know if you agree, but I absolutely hate applying for jobs. Usually you upload your resume and then you have to fill in all the fields anyway. So I don't enjoy that. I do think a cover letter matters. That's my controversial opinion here. He's one of the junior developers we hired. Ultimately, I hired him because of his cover letter. It was just really good. But I know that a lot of people write cover letters and they get thrown away. And it's almost like having paparazzi ahead of you. If you have a recruiter, you know, they're going to talk you up. They're going to manage salary negotiations for you. And if you find the right one, then you're golden. Yeah. But I'm curious, Zachary, like, what are the big languages and frameworks in Iowa? Could you have jumped to another language? Would that have been easier for you? 
I would say, especially in the area I am, we have the John Deere tractor headquarters here. So if I wanted to jump on the Java train, it would definitely be a lot easier to interview like a company like that. I've occasionally looked around just for fun to see what companies around here are looking for. And typically it's either Java or .NET. Language wise, I probably would have went .NET over Java, just something about Java I don't really enjoy. But yeah, I don't want to do either of those. So that makes total sense for us in Pittsburgh, .NET, Java, really heavy. So it's funny, the boot camp in Pittsburgh actually teaches Ruby, but then all the companies out here are hiring for Java and .NET. So I kind of want to shake them and be like, you should probably be teaching those languages. <laughs> no, as the host of the Ruby on Rails podcast, you know, I want more people learning Ruby. So I selfishly love it. But, you know, this is how we're going to keep Ruby and Rails alive. So I love the fact that all of these companies are looking for these candidates because it proves that, you know, this language is certainly not dead. But that being said, I guess the question boils down to Zachary, how do you know if you're, let's say, not in one of those big tech cities and you're working in Ruby and Rails that you're dissatisfied with your job? Because I think that's the trick, right? There's probably a lot of Rails developers out there completely off the grid and they might just be perfectly fine with their job and there could be the opportunity to get a really great job. What do you think? So when I first started my career, my uncle, who he, my, if it wasn't for my uncle, I very possibly might not be where I am right now. When I moved out to DC, I actually lived with him for a couple of years and he got me on my feet career wise. And he gave me one piece of advice that at the time I was like, I don't know what you mean by this, but okay. But it stuck with me forever. And he said, don't get complacent or don't get bored with what you're doing. And I still think about that. And it was like when I was at Wells Fargo, there were a couple points where I actually wanted to start looking. But like my wife and I, we had started a family and stuff like that. So it was easier to not be trying to do job hunting at the same time. But if I was to give anybody words of wisdom, it's don't get complacent or don't get too comfortable with where you are, or what you're doing. That definitely leads to stagnation and you sit there thinking it's just easier to stay here when you could be experiencing other things, improving your own skills. And I agree with you. And I think, you know, it's such a tough market for junior developers. I've mentioned this so many times on the show. I think what ends up happening, too, is that a company is willing to hire a junior developer and you almost feel that you're in debt to them forever. And now, granted, you shouldn't, you know join a company as a junior developer just to get a little bit of experience and hop away. But you have to get confident in your skills and make your own community. I think that's why I enjoy being part of WNB.RB so much. And I love traveling to all these different conferences because you really need to compare what you're doing with other people. Are the benefits that I'm enjoying standard? Are they different? Are they less? We're very lucky in our situation that Ruby and Rails developers are in such high demand. And so you really need to almost sit down and make a, a must list and, you know, measure whether or not does your boss inspire you? Does the company mission inspire you? Do they care that you're keeping Ruby and Rails updated? It's those kinds of things that I think matter. Yep. That was one of the things that definitely I thought about way more this time. Granted, it's been eight years since I was looking for a job. 
it was one of those, like at the beginning of your career, you're kind of like, I want a job, I want experience. But for me now, it was definitely what kind of technology are you guys playing with? What's your stack look like? Because I don't want to walk into the same everything that I'm messing with now. Like I want to experience new things. So those are big questions for me when I was interviewing. Oh, what are you guys playing with? I would even ask like, what are some odd Ruby gems that you guys are using that just something that makes you guys different? Oh, that's a good point. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart. And that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlantis still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites. An interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together, and we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build a future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on Mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Now, I'm curious with you being at Wells Fargo for so long, I imagine you were very senior. I imagine you had all the context. You probably could pull out random anecdotes from like six years prior that probably saved you from accruing tech debt. You're like, no, 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 no. I remember when we put that in, we did it for this reason. But what was your experience coming to Texas and being the newest developer on the team? Yes, you were hired as a senior developer, but you don't have context. How uncomfortable was that for you? And would you do it again? Yeah, I would do it again. It was definitely an eye opener because it had been eight years since I had walked into a project that I have had zero eyes on. I kind of make it a point, anything new that I'm working on and which Texas was extremely great at not throwing you in the deep end, giving you time to look around and see how things are set up and how things work and then giving you smaller tickets to get yourself acclimated with the code base. Is it weird to pair with somebody who is more junior than yourself, but has a lot more context as to why you're actually doing that ticket? Definitely. I would say at first it was a little weird being the senior pairing with the junior at first, but I also try to always look at life like regardless of work itself. Also, it's everybody has something to teach you. So that goes for life in general, but I'm not necessarily a senior and they're not a junior. We're 
two coworkers working on the same project. So I love that. Now you came into Texas actually having experience in React as well, but I think you were pretty firm that you wanted to join as a backend developer. Do you see yourself ever turning to the front end? What are your thoughts around that? Yes, I have quite a bit of experience with JavaScript and React. Yes, I will always be firm on the back end. I have no problem dabbling with the front end here and there. When I was at Wells Fargo, like the projects that I worked on, I did everything. So one project I had was an entire React front end. So I had a good experience doing all of that from scratch and maintaining it. JavaScript and me have like a love-hate relationship. If I only have to mess with it every once in a while, then I love it. But if you were to make me work on it day in and day out, I would hate it. So Zachary, how committed are you to Ruby and Rails? You know, what are your thoughts on the future of it and how do you stay up to date on it? I would say I'm fairly committed. I don't see myself going anywhere. I do like to dabble in other languages for fun. I've played with Go, I've played with Rust, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, doing Rust would be a lot of fun, but I'm not sure I'd want to do it day in and day out. My love for Ruby and Ruby on Rails is, I think it's set in my heart for good. It amuses me to no end how many ports there are of you want to write Go, but you want to write it in Ruby. Here's the thing for you. I just find that very entertaining. Yeah, I, it's like you can go to any language and you will find a framework that says this is the Rails for this language. And I always find that amusing because it's like, but I'm not writing Ruby, so I probably shouldn't be trying to write Rails on top of it. You can probably mimic some things here and there, but... For me, the whole point of learning new languages and new frameworks are to get a different experience or a different way of looking at problems and how to solve them. So I will say I purposely avoid those frameworks that say they're the rails for other languages when I'm doing that. All right. Well, there goes Laravel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as someone who's just returned back from RubyConf, what did the energy of the community feel like? Do you think there's like a renewed vigor? Yeah, that was my first conference experience. I would just say the energy there was absolutely amazing. And I guess one of those things coming from Iowa, again, like we don't have meetups here and stuff like that. So you don't really know how many people or what these conferences are like, where you have all these like-minded people in one building. And I would say I absolutely loved the experience and it gives you a good idea of truly how many people there are, even that's just a little slice of the, all the people that are writing Ruby. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a little bit of advice on the spot. I think there are a lot of listeners out there that very much covet the idea of becoming a Ruby Rails developer. Do you have one bit of advice in order to get to that senior level? Don't stop learning and don't stop experiencing or playing with different new things. If you have a problem to solve, I would say definitely don't always just try to grab a gem to fix it. You can try solving it yourself. And then even if it's just for fun, and then if you do find a gem that does it better than you were going to do it, then by all means. And even just look around, play with different gems that you even if you think you would never use them just to see how they work and how they're written and i always found that as a good way to 
experience different ways of how the language works is just picking a gem and seeing how it's written, see it, how it works and how it's like its user interface is set up. The best feeling, and I was just mentioning this at WNB.RB's book club, is opening up a gem and realizing that it maybe is about 10 lines of actual code that you needed. And you're like, oh, okay, I didn't need a gem here. (laughs) It's like the whole left pad situation where you're like, oh, I can actually just bring this natively into my app. And that avoids just a little bit of dependency issues later down the line. Yep, yeah. Well, awesome, Zachary. It was so great to have you on the show. And thank you so much for picking this podcast. As your debut, granted, I am your boss at Texas, but I want to believe that you had a choice in the matter. (laughs) (laughs) How can listeners follow you? Like a good number of programmers, I'm fairly introverted. You will find me on Twitter, but I probably haven't posted anything in a few years. You can follow the random things I do on GitHub at github.com slash Zachary P as in Paul, H as in Hostins. Other than that, I'm a a little bit of a hermit, so I apologize for that. Well, I think the entire Texas team will be making an appearance in Portland for RailsConf. So if you want to meet Zachary there, that's probably the place to do it, except for recruiters. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show, Zachary. Thank you. You've been listening to the Rupee on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.